Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, again, God, we sense your presence so near us, God, again. Lord, what a wonderful privilege for us to come into your presence for such a time as this, Lord. Again, God, we give ourselves this morning to you. Why don't we just worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now? Why don't we lift him up right now in the name of Jesus? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Lord, we acknowledge that you reign. We acknowledge, God, that you are in total control, God, that you will have your way, do your will, God. Lord, as we commit ourselves to you this morning, as we surrender ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, God, that you will receive, God, you will receive our praise, that you will receive our offering, God. Hallelujah, God. Let it be a Roma in your sight, God, right now, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Father, we just want to continue to pray, God, for the COVID-19 situation in Singapore. Lord, we want to continue to pray for our frontliners, God. May the hands of the Lord be upon, God, our frontliners, God, and those, God, that are the doctors, God, those, God, that are, Lord, uh, working in the civil service department, Lord. Lord, again, God, watch over them, God. And I want to continue to pray, God, that you give, God, our leaders wisdom, God, to navigate, Lord, this delicate season lord right now in the name of jesus lord i pray god god that you will continue to grant them wisdom that you will continue god to lord protect god our elders and the vulnerable god our children right now in the name of jesus i pray god that this uh those that have been affected uh, been infected with COVID-19, God, that you will touch them in a very special way right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for, Lord, that uh, this virus, God, will be isolated and you'll be insulated that it will not cause an increase of infection. Hallelujah. Father, we commit, Lord, all our frontliners into your hands, God. May the hands of the Lord be upon them. Bless them, Father. And God, I pray for the multi-task force, God, Lord, that you will continue to use them, God, to direct, God, as we open up, God, or whatever that needs to be done. I pray, Lord, that you continue, God, to bless businesses that are affected. Lord, may the hands of the Lord be upon the businesses. Lord, again, God, grant them wisdom, God, to navigate, God, their businesses, God, right now, God, so, Lord, that they can get an income. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the Lord, that during this process, this difficult time, God, that you will unite our country, God. Lord, that you will unite our country, God. And Lord, again, God, in the name of Jesus, God, we commit this nation into your hands. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for joining us online today and welcome to the tabernacle of joy i want to give you the opportunity to give i know that some of you are ready to give so why don't we just uh give unto the lord right now and let's pray for our tithes and offering father in the name of jesus god oh lord we are so grateful god that for our jobs god and lord it is our token of 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 gratitude god to give back what belongs to you father again god we ask god that you use it for your kingdom use it oh god for your glory and lord that you continue to bless the people of god lord as they continue to give lord lord as they continue god to be a conduit god that you will use god to fund lord the uh the expansion of your kingdom father right now in the name of jesus receive our tithes and offering in jesus name and all god's people say Amen. We are beginning today, you know, with a brand new session. Uh, I'm going to entitle uh, this session called uh, 
one month to live. No, let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12. Let's turn there real quickly. Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12. It reads like this. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. Let's read that one more time. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. Shall we just lift our hands and let's pray. Father, again, God, I know that we're going to be talking about a topic that many of us may feel uncomfortable talking about it. But nevertheless, God, I believe, God, that when we start to think about this, Lord, uh, it helps us put priority, God, in the things that we do, God. Lord, it help us, God, determine what is priority in our life, Father, right now. I pray in the name of Jesus, use us, God, Lord, again, uh, uh, bless all those that are watching. Lord, uh, again, I bind that spirit of fear, but God, I pray, God, that you give us the soundness of mind in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, most importantly, God, after today, God, we are able to make application of what we have heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, again, your time on earth is limited. No matter how much this idea makes you feel awkward, it's a fact. No matter who you are, how young or old, what measures of success you attain, or where you will live, mortality remains the great equalizer. With each tick of the clock, a moment of your life is behind you. And if you're like me, you may be tempted to view this reality as harsh and unwelcome, to let it overwhelm you and even paralyze you. I remember a time very clearly that, you know, before I lay down my head to sleep, and I asked myself this question, what happened if I don't get up? I, I think many of you have those thoughts. Uh, and this can kind of paralyze us or make us not sleep because we are fearful. But again, that's not my purpose of this series. Just the opposite. I'm convinced that rather than inhibiting us to play it safe, embracing our time on earth as a limited resources has incredible power to liberate us. Most of us, if we knew that we only had one month to live, would live differently we would be more authentic about who we are and more deliberate about how we spend our time. But such a contrast begs the question, what keeps us from living this way? And what keeps us from living this way now? My motivation to find the answer, and better yet, to live it and help you live it, is born out of my experiences in ministry. In my role as a pastor, I have been privileged to spend time with many people as they face the approaching end of their lives on earth. While many of them struggle through the stages of grief, shock, denial, bargaining, guilt, anger, depression, acceptance, most of them make radical changes as a result of their awareness of their terminal conditions. They are willing to say what they really feel and do what they really want. They ask for forgiveness and forgive others. 
they no longer think only of themselves but reach out to those they love and let them know how much they mean. They take risks they would never have taken before and allow themselves to lay worry aside and gratefully accept each new day. They seem to gain a new clarity about their priorities, like their relationship with God and living legacies that were endure. Over the many years of watching others live out their last days, I began to ask myself, why can't all of us live more like we are dying? Isn't that how we were meant to live in the first place? To discover what we made for and to utilize our unique gifts in the limited amount of time we are given? And if you know you had one month to live, how would you live differently? I want to challenge you to live the next 30 days as they were their last and to write it down and see what happens. Perhaps no place echoes with eternity quite like a crematorium. Not surprisingly, I'm fascinated by uh, the cremation niche uh, plaques, you know, uh, you know and, and, and see all the lives that uh, were represented. You know, looking at the plagues, I can't help but recognize the entire lives are now reduced to two dates and one dash. Some monuments include facts, sayings, Bible verses, touching memorials, but each person's life really comes down to what transpired between these two dates. It comes down to what's in the dash. I look at the dash of a particular person's uh, uh, you know, life and wonder, what did he live for? Whom did she love? What were his passions? What were her biggest mistakes and greatest regret? How come this person died so early? When you think about it, you don't have control over many things in life. We don't get to decide where we were born, who our parents are, or which time period and culture we face. We don't get to decide the dates of our niche plaques. We don't know when our time on this earth will be up. It could be next week or next year or decades away. Only God knows. And our lives are in His, ha our lives are in his hands. But there's one thing that we have a vast amount of control over. We get to decide how we're going to use our dash. You get to choose how to spend that little dash of time between the two days of your earthly existence. What are you spending yours on? Are you living the dash knowing fully who you are and why you are here? Or dashing to live hurriedly, spending precious time chasing things that really don't matter to you. The psalmist prayed, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Okay, the, the Living Bible put it this way, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us spend as we should. The definition of the word number is to properly weigh out or to a lot, to prepare, to count, to appoint. God wants us to realize that 
our time on earth is limited. So we will spend it wisely. He give us the choice about how we spend this valuable currency. While many of the people I've known who are facing death make radical changes in order to die well, occasionally I met some who change very little. It's not that they are unwilling to change. It's that they have lived their lives so deliberately, so authentically, and the news of the end of this life doesn't turn them upside down. Of course, they grieve and struggle with the news. They ache for their families and the people they love. But they take comfort in knowing they have been living focused on what matters most to them. Their relationship with the ones they love, their relationship with God of the universe, and the fulfillment of their unique purpose on this earth. Wouldn't it be wonderful to spend your life so that if you discover you had only one month to live, you wouldn't need to change a thing. So what's holding you back? What are you waiting on? Repeatedly, the scripture, God reminds us that our lives are short compared to eternity. Okay, let's turn to the book of James chapter 4 verse 14. Why you don't, sorry, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Of course, I'm not encouraging you to simply live for today. Most of us can't afford to quit our jobs overnight and say uh, what we're really feeling all the time or act on every spontaneous idea. This kind of lifestyle seems selfish and wildly indulgent and may indicate that such a person don't believe there's anything beyond this life. But life is more than what we know on the earth. Even as we engage ourselves in the present, we must think through the eternal impact of how we live. And the Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He created us in His own image as spiritual beings, but in fleshly bodies. If we are honest, most of us sense that has to be more than our existence, than what this world can offer. This is the point where many people turn to faith. But just as many people live like there is no tomorrow, others use their faith to live like there's no today. They are always thinking about heaven someday instead of fully engaging in life today. The only way we can live for eternity is to embrace each day as a gift from God. We must live in the tipping point between the everyday and the eternal. He created us and has given us another day to live, to know and experience His love, to love and to serve those around us, to live passionately the life He made us for. The temporal nature of our life should keep, our, keep us focused on what matters most. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. Your time on earth is limited. Shouldn't you start making the most of it? If you knew that you had 
one month to live, you would look at everything from a different perspective. Many of the things you do now that seem so important would immediately become meaningless. You would have total clarity about what matter most and you wouldn't hesitate to be spontaneous and risk your heart. You wouldn't wait until tomorrow to do what you need to do today. The way you live that month would mean the way you wish you had lived your whole life. If you knew you had one month to live, your life would be radically transformed. But why do we wait until we are diagnosed with cancer or we lose a loved one to accept this knowledge and allow it to free us? Don't we want all that life has to offer? Don't we want to fulfill the purpose for which we were created? Wouldn't life be a lot more satisfying if we live this way? I'm challenging you to start living your life as though you have one month to live. And here's a few quotes that I love and I want to share with you. Life isn't measured by the number of breaths we take, but the moments that take our breath away. Another quote, somebody should tell us right at the start of our lives that we are dying. Then we might live life to the limit every minute of every day. Do it, I say. Whatever you want to do, do it now. There are only so many tomorrows. I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I have just lived the length of it. I want to have lived the width of it as well. Here's another quote. Guard well your spare moments. They are like uncut diamonds. Discard them and their value will never be known. Improve them and they will become the brightest gems in useful life. Again, I once heard about a guy who went to the doctor to get the result of his annual physical. His doctor met up with him and said, I'm sorry, Bob, I've got some bad news for you. The test shows that you have terminal disease. You have only six months to live. Bob, let the news sink in and ask, is there anything I can do? Any experimental drugs or treatment? There has to be something that I can try. The doctor thought for a moment and said, there's one thing, you can move to the country and buy a pig farm and raise pigs. Then you can find a widow who has 14 and 15 kids, marry her and bring all of them to live with you on the pig farm. Bob looked puzzled and said, and that will help me live longer? The doctor said, no, but it will seem like the longer six months of your life. <laughs> I know this is a silly joke, but I think it illustrates a vital principle of our relationship with time. For some of you, the last six months have seen like the longest six months of your life because you have no energy, no passion for life. Maybe you feel as if you are simply going through the motions, lethargic discontent, wondering if this is all life has to offer. 
Most of us have experienced seasons in our lives when time seems to just scrape by as we watch the clock willing the seconds to pass faster. On the other hand, you can probably recall times when the hours flew by. Think about those occasions when you lost all sense of time and felt entirely caught up in the present moment, immense in the activity at hand, or enjoying the people around you. What makes the difference? Why do some days feel so much more meaningful than others? How can we be fully engaged with the present and not get trapped by the past or paralyzed by the future? To answer this question, consider how you would view time differently. If you knew your last days were just a calendar page away, if you knew you had only one month to live. Suddenly, those remaining minutes and hours and days will become your most precious commodity. Like a billionaire who suddenly discovers he, he's down to the last $100, you would immediately stop taking your time for granted and would be aware of how you spend every minute. You would want each of them to be rich with enjoyment significance and investment in others. In their days, look, sorry, if their days were numbered, if their days were numbered, most people want to spend their time carefully and deliberately. I haven't met anyone who knew their days were limited, who wanted to catch up on Netflix or maybe spend a little bit more time surfing the net it's not this a bad pursuit. If we knew we had one month to live, I suspect most of us would experience crystal clarity about how to prioritize our time. Certainly, chores and duties have to be kept up on a daily basis, but even these things can be connected to larger goals, community, communicating with our spouse, teaching our kids, connecting with God. The mundane can become magnificent if we plug into each hour and each other. Obviously, our priorities contribute powerfully how we perceive time and how we spend it. We all have the same number of minutes in a day. And there's nothing you and I can do to increase the length of a day to 25 hours, let alone 30 or 40 hours we might need in order to catch up. The bottom line, we are all stuck with 24 hours. How you invest in those hours, however, can determine the difference between a sense of contentment or Regret. If you want to live with no regrets, then you may need to inventory your life and see how you have been spending your time. Better yet, do a cost-benefit analysis of your time to determine if how you spend your days produce the benefits you desire. A big performance coach for many professional athletes and celebrities and corporate CEOs says time management is really energy management. And I totally agree. You can experience the effect of multiplying your time by effectively managing how you apply your energy each day. 
if we appreciate our time as precious gifts to spend, then we're much more likely to be engaged and motivated to make it count. It almost seems like a natural law of physics. When we increase our energy and level of engagement, we multiply our time. We can work 18 hours, days, and yet not be effective. In fact, it's probably detrimental overall because you will lose your creativity and health and eventually burn out. Most of us would agree that workaholism stems from poor energy management. In many ways, it comes down to the contrast between quantity of life, how long you've lived, versus quality of life, how you live. I'm not talking about how to add years to your life, but rather how to add life to your years. What consume most of your time each day? Be as specific as possible in responding. Many of us might say work consume most of our hours each day, but break it down. What exactly consumes you at work? How meaningful is it? How satisfying is it? And how much of any given day do you spend doing only what you do best? Many of us, me included, waste so much of our time. How often do we hear and use the B word? We are really busy. Can you think of the last time you asked a friend how she was doing and she said, great, things are really moving slowly. I have plenty of time to get everything done and spend quality time uh, with my family and friends. We all work really hard. We have good intentions and we have learned some habits and time management techniques that bring limited improvements, but they leave little room for relationships. We get on the wave of success, but as it goes faster and faster, we just don't know how to stop it. Time once spent cannot be reclaimed. Once an hour, minute or moment is over, it's gone forever. However, we can redeem the remaining time we have. We can reconsider our God-given purpose and the eternal legacy we want to leave behind and allow them to guide our schedule moving forward. So how do we refocus? The only way you and I can make the most of our remaining time is to spend each day in such a way that we leave behind a worthwhile legacy on this earth. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote, Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And I'm reading from the message version. He was saying, don't squander your time because time is your life. If you waste your time, you waste your life. And if you are going to use your time in such a way that we leave a lasting mark on this earth, then we have to pass the effectiveness test. There's an author you know, of a best-selling business book called uh, 8020 Principle. He studied many 
businesses and, and successful individuals. And he came to this conclusion. For most businesses, 20% of their activity produces 80% of their result. 20% of their activity produce 80% of their profits. And he says the same thing is true for individuals. That is, 20% of what you do in your life produces 80% of your result. 20% of what you do in your life produces 80% of your happiness. 20% of the people who hang around with produce 80% of the joy in your relationships. Basically, 20% of what you do brings about most of the results in your life. And 80% of what you do is pretty, pretty much a wasted time. For example, a lot of people watch too much TV. New studies even show that watching more than 20 hours a week can lead to mild depression. So it's not very productive and it doesn't result a lot of happiness, which makes it wasted time. If you spend more time in the areas that bring you the most results and less time in ineffective pursuit, then you will accomplish more by doing less. Let's turn to this subject of time. Imagine your bank credits your account with 1,440 every morning, but only under one condition. Whatever amount you fail to use that day will be deducted from your account. No balance can ever be carried over. What could you do with those funds? Let me repeat again. What could you do with those funds? No doubt, you would draw out every dollar every day using the full amount in your account. In truth, you do have such an account. It's Name is time. Every morning, the time bank credits you or your, the buying bank credits your account with 1,440 minutes. But at midnight, whatever portion you fail to invest for a good purpose is withdrawn. You forfeit forever what you do not use wisely. For there is no drawing against tomorrow. Therefore, carefully consider how this gift of time given to you by God can manage to accomplish His purpose for you. James chapter 1 verse 17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the heaven or coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. It's fascinating how a small word like time has such a huge impact on our emotion, leaving us feelings of calm or chaos, delight or despair, hope or hopelessness. Many people have expressed frustration about time by saying, I ran out of time. I don't have enough time. What a waste of time. <laughs> time is a word that quickly grabs our attention, especially when we want more of it. And God gives this little word a lot of press. In fact, it's mentioned 800 and 
88 times in the New International Version Bible Translation. And in today's high-speed technology, which requires quick thinking and quick action, time management has become even more important. Ultimately, God gives each of us the freedom to make the most of our time. And time is so valuable for us that God encourages us to use it wisely. God can direct us to purchase back time that could be misused and wasted and instead of uh, instead invest our time in areas of our life that will result in eternal rather than temporal value. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. So, what is time? Time is God's gift to us to accomplish the purpose for which He created us. But ideas about time and its measurement have developed over time. If someone were to ask you, what time is it? Most likely, you will look at a watch or a clock and then state the time of the day. Historically, it wasn't until 1883 that the time standardized in the United States. The American railroads established four time zones to keep train arrivals and departures punctual. Previously, each community determined its own time. Imagine the confusion this created. It took another year and a meeting of nearly 30 nations to establish the 24-hour worldwide time zones that we use today. Typically, our concept of our time is chronological, like a clock time, a calendar time. We tend to think of time as linear, like a length of time, a 12-month year, or 24-hour day, or lunchtime and dinner time. But have you ever thought about the time from God's point of view? To begin with, He's the original of time, originator of time. Okay, He's the originator of time. In fact, the Bible first mention of time is found in the creation chapter, Genesis chapter 1 verse 5. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So just how does God measure time? Realize God is not bound by time. He is timeless and eternal. Scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The two primary meaning of time, time, the first definition, okay, is time is measurable period on a clock or a calendar. Chronological time refers to the quantity of time, a measurable succession of time marked by seconds, minutes, days, weeks, months, and years. In Greek, the word chronos refer to the quantities of time that can be measured. Note the two names of uh, the two books in First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, which chronicle the history of the Hebrews from one king to another year after year. Although chronos can be used as an umbrella word, for all concepts of time. Its primary meaning is 
the succession passing of time, like tick-tock of a clock. The second definition, time is a specific moment or season marked for an appropriate purpose. Appointed time refers to the quality of time, the appropriate right time for a specific purpose. In Greek, the word karos refers to the appropriate time, a right time for a special season of opportunity. For example, a farmer perceived the right time to plant and later to harvest his crop, although these events will not occur on precise calendar dates each year. In his wisdom, God came as a human being for us just the right time. You know, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 tells us, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. The concept of time has a vast array of meaning that directly impact our lives. Multiple phrases contain the word time, such as the sense of time, the good and the bad times, hard times, the fullness of time. Indeed, time is metal, uh, multifaceted. Okay, and again, you know, I, I want us, you know, uh, um, to sit down and think for a moment what time is for us. You know, I came up with the acronym T-I-M-E to help us understand what time is, okay? Here we go. Time is letter number, letter uh, T, okay? Treasure. Time is a gift from God that we must use wisely. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithfully as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, the letter I stands for investment. Time is an opportunity to invest in what lasts forever. Second Corinthians chapter five verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And then letter M, it's measured. Time is limited on earth, which prompts us to focus on our priorities. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalms 139 verse 16. And letter E, eternal. Time is limited in this earthly life and everlasting in eternal life he has made everything beautiful in his time he has also set eternity in the human heart yet no one can fathom what god has done from the beginning to the end ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. you see time is highly valuable realize if your perspective of your conclusion will be off too. Consider the value of time through the perspective of different situations. How valuable is one year? Ask a secondary school student who feels her O-level. How valuable is one month? Ask a mother of a premature baby. How valuable is one week? Ask the traders whose computer is down for a week. Or ask someone who has gone for DCD and had a breakthrough. <laughs> How valuable is one day? Ask the couple that 
delays their flight a day and learns that the earlier flight has crashed. <laughs> How valuable is one hour? Asked the groom who kissed the guest and his bride anxiously waiting because he failed to check his tires and now has to fix a flat tire. How valuable is one minute? Asked the man who is having a heart attack in the lift. Yet his life is ultimately safe when a co-worker performs CPR. How valuable is one second? Asked the driver who barely avoids a head-on collision. How valuable is a millisecond? Asked the Olympic swimmer who misses the qualifying by a mere one-tenth of a second. The Lord wants us to value our limited time. That's why in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says that it is better for you to go to a funeral than to a party. Because in a funeral, you ask yourself, when is my day of dying? <laughs> and then you start to put proper perspective. So let's talk about this for a moment. What is then time management? You know, again, the term time management is both a contradiction and an impossibility. In truth, you cannot manage time. No one has the ability to speed it up or slow it down. You can't add to it or subtract from it. You can't divide it or multiply it. But if you... But if your allocated time is wasted, it's unrecoverable, non-renewable. However, while you literally cannot manage time, you can manage yourself in relation to time. Through wise time management of yourself, you can maximize all the time that God has given you and allocate time to use your spiritual gifts to serve others. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and, its, and in its various forms. Time management includes how we control the moments and events in our life. Time refers to a measurable period on a clock and the moments we experience. Management refers to the act of controlling, organizing, and coordinating. Time management then is the act of taking control over the time spent on specific activities. Time management involves planning how our time is spent and prioritizing our most important tasks to be as effective and efficient as possible. Effectiveness refers to producing the desired result. It answers the question, what was produced? Did you do the right task? Efficiency refers to skillfully performing tasks with the least waste of time, effort, and expenses. It answers the question, how were the tasks performed? Did you, did you do the task right? Time management then is effectively controlling your minutes and hours, days to accomplish your purpose and goals in the most 
efficient way. Time management requires the completion of a specific goals in order to achieve God's purpose for our lives. What three significant segments will make the most of your time? Amen. If you were to randomly ask people, do you want to accomplish your reason for being here on earth? Typically, everybody will say yes. Therefore, to make sure that you fulfill God's reason for your life, you need to grasp three specific segments of your life. Your purpose, your planning, and your priorities. Let me repeat that again. Your purpose, your planning, and your priorities. Amen. So again, you know, I will touch more of this next week. How do we learn how to manage our time? Okay, but today I'm going to talk about a little bit more of time wasters. Let me say one thing. Business, busyness can be deceptive and doesn't guarantee success. Instead, success depends on predetermining the right purpose, planning, and the right goals, and prioritizing the right activities focused on what needs to be completed First, in order of, of, of importance, ultimately, the lost purpose prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the lost purpose that prevails. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. The most popular and the most quoted passage in the Bible is the 23rd Psalms, beginning with the Lord is my shepherd. When we hear of this short psalm, how does it affect you? Usually people feel a sense of calm and peace. However, many of us are more familiar with the inner feelings expressed in this adaptation of it. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It haunts my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity six. Even though I run frantically from the task to task. I never get it all done for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They annoy my head with migraines. My in-basket or in-box overflows. Surely fatigue shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. You know, again, what a mirror for today. Look at your lifestyle honestly. Who and what controls your time? The real question is, am I in control of my schedule or is my schedule in control of me? If you struggle with controlling your time, if you lack time management skills, examine the possible contribution causes. Remember that God has given us grace to enable us to live with self-control long enough to last throughout this present age. Let's turn to the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 12. Talking about grace, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. What are 
some opposing habits of time management. Today, we, we're going to go real quickly and then you can find, you know, your, you, you know which is, sounds like you, okay? You know, procrastination versus promptness, disorganization versus organization, overcommitment versus commitment. Okay, let's look at the procrastination column today. Amen. You know, you are procrastinate, uh, you procrastinate because you avoid responsibility, you divert attention to overeating, sleeping, uh, daydreaming, or you can say things like uh, five minutes uh, yeah, later, la, later, la, later, la. escaping through excessive activities, overlooking priorities, lacking direction, putting off tasks, accepting false guilt, succumbing to shaming accusations, amen, embracing the par paralysis of regret, rehearsing uh, rational uh, rationalizations, you know, manufacturing excuses, indulging in self-pity, you know, or, you know, you can be prompt, a prompt person, you know, what does a prompt person look like? They are accepting responsibility, they are focused, they have, uh, they are always focusing in attention, they are scheduling re recreation activities. They are not against recreation. They are putting it in. Once they play, they play hard. Once they work, they work hard. Okay, they are setting priorities. They are determining direction. They are establishing tasks. They are rejecting false guilt. They are rebuffing shame, accusation, resisting the preoccupation of regret, refusing rational, uh, uh, res uh, being, uh, refusing rationalization, Eliminating excuses, avoid self-pity. Amen. There's a scripture here that I want to share. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talks leads only to poverty. Okay? So let's look at the next thing. Disorganization versus organization. Okay? On the disorganization side, we have feeling to become focused. Or the organization part, you are being focused. Amen. Uh, then we have the lacking of concentration on the disorganization part. And then we are developing concentration. And then we are abandoning projects. Things are never done, <laughs> but we are completing projects. We are accumulating clutter. We are eliminating clutter. Okay. Or we are permitting disorder or we are practicing neatness. We are neglecting work area or we can be organizing work area. And then we can be abandoning, abandoning hope or we can hold on to hope. We, can, we are working without a vision or we are seeking a vision. Okay. And or we are lacking motivation or we can be staying motivated. The lacking of discipline, displaying discipline. Forgetting appointments, keeping appointments. Missing deadlines or meeting deadlines. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 23. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray, but their own great, by their own great folly. Amen. So let's look at the overcommitment and the commit, commitment. Okay. Again, the overcommitted people, they devalue rest and leisure. Committed people value rest and leisure. Uh, they lose sleep due to excessive work. They maintain a healthy balance between work and rest. They sacrifice health for perfectionism. They are striving for a healthy mind and body. They are feeling guilty when not working. Feeling guilt when they are playing. Sorry, feeling guilt-free 
when playing. They are prioritizing projects over people. They are prioritizing people over projects. They are putting personal recognition above time and family and friends. They are planning time with family and friends over receiving personal recognition. They are rejecting boundaries by saying yes. They are setting boundaries by saying no. Pleasing people above pleasing God. Pleasing God above pleasing people. They are permitting other wrong behavior. They are confronting other wrong behavior. They are giving others control where else, you know, the committed people are giving God control. They are silently agreeing to be manipulated. But then those that are committed are refusing to be manipulated. They are believing in performance-based acceptance. We are practicing unconditional acceptance from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, am I not trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Amen. Again, you know, it is so crucial for us to look at this least and, 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 and see what our natural habits are. And sometimes our habits are developed because of unresolved emotional needs. You know, unresolved emotional needs can sabotage our time. Uh, let me explain. You know, that's why we need to take authority over the spirit of fear because where there is the spirit of fears, most of the time, there is a stronghold. There is an unresolved emotional need. Amen. Okay. And unmet emotional needs can be a driving force behind actions and attitudes that frequently sabotage your use of time due to the amount of time it takes to meet those needs. To better understand the reason behind your struggle with time management, uh, you need to identify some unmet emotional needs driving you. You know, the least needs, uh, you know, you need to start to look at, you know, uh, uh, what's holding you back. You know, for instance, let me give you an example. You know, if you are constantly longing for approval, do you let others control your time in order to gain their approval? Do you... Let others' responsibility become your responsibility. Then fail to take care of your own. Are you afraid to take up an unpopular stand and risk disapproval? Then if you lack of unconditional love, do you sacrifice your schedule to gain someone's love and adoration? Do you spend time meeting the needs of someone else while neglecting your own needs? And are you and, or, or, or are your time prioritized based on doing whatever it takes to get a particular person to love you? How about this unresolved issue about loss of identity? Do you draw your value from someone else and arrange your schedule to spend more time than you should with that person? Do you lack meaning and purpose in your life and spend valuable time in the futile pursuit of it? Is your identity wrapped up in what you do, what you have, who you know, or who you are, and is your time spent reinforcing your, uh, reinforcing your misplaced identity, 
Or there's this issue of latent need of control. Do you procrastinate or ignore deadlines as an act of rebellion against anyone placing demands on you? Do you resent authority to the point that you sabotage your time schedule in an effort to control your own time and how you spend it? Are you intentionally late to appointments or other meetings? Or you may have an unresolved need of low self-esteem. Do you find that you are not as capable as others? Therefore, avoid spending time with them. Do you try to perform perfectly to gain acceptance and dedicating much of your time to improving your performance rather than helping others? Are you running from background? Are you running from a background of shame and embarrassment that prevents you from spending time developing relationships? Or you have an unresolved issue of security, limited security? Do you struggle with envy and jealousy and spend vast amounts of time accumulating wealth in order to secure your future? Do you have trouble trusting those who love you and therefore spend only limited time with them? Do you devote much of your spare time to work because you fear feeling at work or losing a significant relationship? And last but not least, you may be struggling with this issue of significance when you have little significance. Do you feel you have little to contribute to your relationship or work? Therefore, you put little time and heart into them. Do you believe that if you disappear, no one would notice or feel lost? Does this rob you of joy and motivation of spending meaningful time with others? Are you doing everything possible to become important to one certain person, leaving you with little time with, for, your, for anyone else? If you discover through this exercise that not only your schedule, but also your life is controlled by the drive to fulfill these legitimate unmet needs, remember Jesus words. You know, it's found in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, if you then, Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek, he, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all this thing will be given to you as well. Amen. So again, you know, I want you to think about this that I've just said, you know, and address some of these habits that is really time wasted. Unclutter your mind, cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And then once you address that, next week we'll come back. You know, we want you to learn from Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah was an excellent time manager, you know, and, and we want to tell time where to go. We want to not waste our time, you know, especially for some of you that are older, it's not too late. You still can tell time what you can do. You know, you got to, some of us need to write down, you know, what is those conversations that I need to have with my loved ones. Amen. 
And, and again, you know, God would help us. And, and if you can, right now, I want you to lift up your hands. And I want you, first of all, to ask God to teach you how to number your days. Amen. And again, you know, when we say that to teach us how to number our days, we are asking Him to teach us the value of that one minute, the value of that one second. Amen. And then ask God to give you the wisdom and the anointing. Amen. To plan your life and give you the strength that is needed uh, to accomplish what you have planned. Amen. And if not, you, some of us will have to do some adjustment, but we are always back to the plan. Amen. Amen. We are not giving up because God who began a good work, He will complete the work in our lives. Why don't we just lift our hands? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and God, we thank you for this gift of life. And Father, we do not want to take this for granted, especially every minute, every second, every hour. Amen. God, I'm thankful, God, for today's session. Lord, again, God, I pray. Lord, let us learn how to number our days, God, and cherish every second, every millisecond. Lord, do the best, God, of that second. Do the best, God, of that hour, God, and not waste it and not let it go to waste, Father. And Lord, that we want to be that good and faithful steward, oh God, to manage our resources in such a way, God, that you will give you the glory, that we want to manage it first of all in investing my relationship with you and those that you, 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 that, that I'm a part of, God, whether it's my family, whether it's my church family, whether my colleagues, God, I, I pray, God, that you help us, Lord, turn, Lord, whatever that you have given us as gifts, God, and, and not use it for the kingdom and use it for your glory. And Father, I pray, God, Lord, again, God, let us not despise today's lesson, but God, let it challenge us, oh God, Lord, to make the best of our time. Father, I pray for that anointing. I pray for wisdom. I pray for the courage to do what's right. But most importantly, God, I pray for strength, Lord, that you will teach us to live passionately for your kingdom and for your glory. Amen. God, I know that some of us, God, when we start to manage time, God, many of us, God, will have a negative reaction because, God, in our workplace, God, maybe we are tired. Lord, that, that, but, but God, this thing called life, Father, is exciting. So, Lord, I pray you give us the courage. I pray, God, that you change our perspective on this thing called time. I pray, God, right now, that we will find our purpose, that we will begin to plan. Lord, if we have not found our purpose, we will find that purpose. We will make time to find that purpose, Lord, because, God, we want to, Lord, live life to the fullest extent, Father, right now. God, at the end of the day, we want to live as intentional disciples, God, that we know without a shadow of doubt, God, that we did not waste our time. And Lord, that we can say, Lord, we Paul, God, that Lord, that I finished the course that is set before me. Amen. God, I want to be faithful, God. Our Lord, I want the words of, 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 of uh, uh, you know, that was be said over us, good and faithful servant. Amen. So Father, I pray, Lead us and guide us, God. I pray, God, right now, God, that you begin to show us areas, God, that we have, we are needing you, God, to feel, God, especially when it comes to unresolved needs, God. And God, there are, there are fears in our lives. And Father, I pray, God, that you will eradicate every fear, God, that is unlike you right now, God, so that we can 
Walk in faith, Lord. Walk in faith. Not walk in fear, but walk in faith. And the judge shall live by faith, Father, right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't we just lift our voice right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost and ask God to help us. In the name of Jesus, God, grant us wisdom. Lord, grant us wisdom. God, your word says, God, if we ask of you, wisdom, God. Lord, we do not want wisdom that is sensual. We want wisdom that is from our birth, God. And Father, lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. God bless you. God keep you. And again, we will see you next Tuesday in prayer meeting. You know, again, I want you to start asking yourself some tough questions and, you know, you journal your thoughts and then maybe you find somebody you can discuss with, discuss it with your loved ones, discuss it, you know, and then we're going to start talking about it and we're going to make some changes. Amen. And then we, at the end of the day, will live for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Take care now.